Welcome to That's Life, where opening fortune cookies with fortunes written in Hebrew is now my favorite thing to do. My thanks to Yael Katzman. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager with an excess amount of energy here at the Nachum Siegel Network this morning. You can find me every Thursday at 10 a.m. right after Charlie, right before Nachum's live lunch, as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. Coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the semi-beautiful Lower East Side here this morning, I'm joined by Avrami. What's up, Avram? How are you? Shana Tova. And Shana Tova and to Gamar you. Fatima Tova. Amen to you and to yours and to Toby. And Boker Tov also to Danny, who's sitting to my left. If you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you're a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. We have an incredibly packed show, folks, and I only have 58 minutes left to it. And my first guest is already on the line, and Avrami is already rolling his eyes at my lineup. So um, I will displace with all the niceties that I usually get to because Joanna Shepson from Fun in Jerusalem is already on the phone, and I do not want to take away a minute just to even do a fortune cookie. Good morning, Joanna. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. I should say Erev Tov to you. It is almost Erev Yom Kippur here, yes. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I have more hours left to eat, but you have uh, less hours to fast, so I think you win. Yes. As my kids say, they're already on vacation. That's 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 nice. And please, God, I will feel that way after I finish packing because, uh, please, God, we are leaving Matzei Yom Kippur to come to Israel, and I have already taken full advantage of the funinjerusalem.com website. So tell me what people are looking forward to for this Sukkot. So we've got a lot of festivals going on in the city and um, special activities. There were a couple of festivals that were pushed off from the summer because of the war. What war? And, uh, I'm just kidding. Gonna, yeah, okay. <laughs> the operation. <laughs> they're going to be happening um, next week. Like we've got the Formula One race around Jerusalem. Wow. What day is that taking place? Monday and Tuesday. So make sure that you realize on Monday and Tuesday you'll need to walk wherever you need to go. Oh, now I understand why Thrifty Rent-A-Car let us know that the streets would be closed since we're supposed to pick up our cars Monday morning. Okay. Yeah, if you're supposed to pick them up close towards the Mamilla area, forget it. <laughs> okay, well, either way, it's very exciting. The Formula One race car um, um, festival, so to speak, took place for the first time last year, correct? Yes. And to great and applause. This year, this year they've got a lot of um, Israeli drivers that are going to be participating also. And then they've got um, an exhibit that will be taking place through Sukkot over Cholamoid, right behind the first station where you can go up and meet some of the drivers and see the cars and some kind of interactive kids' play area. You know, there's got to be a good one-liner here about Israeli race car drivers and the, uh, you know, the shock or the irony of that kind of a relationship. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. Well, they've already put up the boulders on the side of the road. So, like, Excellent. if you drive through the streets near the King David Hotel, you can't basically you basically can't walk up onto the sidewalk. Oh wow. Okay. All right. So, how many? By the way, how many cars are expected? Do you know? Um, I don't know. No, but there are all different types of cars. Ferraris. I saw a whole listing, um, and there's actually a whole listing on my site on the uh, Formula One activity page, but. I'll pull that up quickly while we talk about something else, and then I'll let you know. You no, know, well, the 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 um, Formula One activity guide is part of the bigger Sukkot family guide opportunity that Fun in Jerusalem has provided for families who are traveling overseas, and um, it was made available just this week. Correct? This is like hot off the presses. It went live this morning, so that I could oh. tell you that it just went live. Amazing! It literally um, just went live. Okay. Just for this show, yes, <laughs> and. Uh, 
the basically we've, we've printed a calendar of all the activities that are going on this week and next week, and we're going to be giving it out at hotels. And then if you're not staying in a hotel, you can find it online at funinjerusalem.com slash Sukkot, S-U-K-K-O-T. Excellent. And um, I know that you had posted something this morning on Facebook about the dig opportunity in Beit Guvrin. Yes, it's wonderful. I actually just met with the woman who runs it, and her husband is an archaeologist, and that's how they got started. And they have this, like, as they speak about it, this unbelievable passion for what they do, and they really believe that families that come start to really feel connected to the land by literally digging through dirt, through unexcavated caves, and finding artifacts from the second temple period. So people should understand this isn't this isn't staged. This isn't a hoax. This is actual digging. This is actual archaeology happening live with your with your family, with your kids. Your kids are taking part in this. They're getting dirty. Yeah, definitely. And part of it, it's like a double activity. So at the beginning, you are digging and sifting, and then the second part of the activity, you actually get to go into a cave that has not been excavated yet and crawl through. There are parts where you literally have to crawl and squeeze yourself through to see what an unexcavated cave looks like. Right. I have already opted out of the second part of that, um, you know, endeavor, and I will be sifting longer than other people or hanging back with those who do not want to go into the human coffin, otherwise known as a cave. Yes, but the good news for you is they have a pottery shed just for people like you. Awesome. A covered, relaxed area where you can sit. So if, you know, you've got a large group and some people like to go caving and some people don't, Everyone can do the sifting, and then some people can sit out on the caving. I'm all about sitting out on the caving. All right, does somebody need a flashlight for something like that? Because I do have these wonderful memories of trying to get through a cave and needing a flashlight. Well, you have to remember it's Israel, so most of the time people are going through with actual candles and live fire. (laughs) Yeah, okay. As as my mother was completely overwhelmed by my daughter's birthday party in Ghana and had all the little kids lighting candles all over the place, but somehow there was never a fire. They they manage it. Right, and Israeli kids don't have peanut allergies either. Somehow or another, they all figure it out. Um, exactly. Right, exactly. So tell me some of the other amazing things available in the Sukkot Family Guide. Well, something else that's really unique this year is there's a basketball player, which I'm sure you know of, right. the Jewish Jordan, Tamir Goodman. Right. And he's going to be running a basketball clinic through Hapoel Yerushalayim, the, the basketball team here. Right. He was, and, just on, um, he was just on with Nahum the other day on JM and the AM discussing this. It's really quite an exciting endeavor. It's this two-day basketball camp, right? Yeah. And it takes place in Ganapamon. And everyone who's part of it will receive some Hapoel merchandise. And Hapoel is very hot and exciting now because the arena just opened up, which mm-hmm. is the 11, I think it's 11,000 seat arena uh, basketball stadium right that's, near Malcha. That's unbelievable. So one of the beautiful things about Gan Hapamon is that it is so centrally located that your kids can walk to this basketball camp. Yeah. Exactly. And then afterwards, you can meet them for lunch on Emicrofane. That sounds like a good plan to me. You know, can I go back to the Formula One racing car um, event yeah. for a second? Only because I didn't realize I was going to be there for it, and I'm super, super excited for that opportunity. Um, how how much of an impact do you think um, the change in, in timing is going to make on on the popularity of the event? Because even though it was supposed to happen over the summer, and tourism in Israel usually over the summer is at a great high. Sukkot is also a very hot time to be in Israel. So do you think that they're going to get more fans? It's going to get more press than it usually does? Or I shouldn't say usually because it only happened last year, but than it did last year, or or we're just going to have to wait and see? I think it's going to do just as well. I really do. I think a lot of people who come in for Sukkot come already right, right after Yom Kippur, which would be Sunday, 
and they're doing this on Monday and Tuesday. And um, it's very exciting. It's, you, you just feel it in the air when you walk outside. So they've got, like, two main platforms, one in front of Mamela and one in front of Ganapamon, and that's where the stunts happen. They have a whole schedule. Um, by the way, now I can tell you that there's going to be Ferraris, Audis, Porsche, um, Formula One, Formula Three racers, Formula Four, and when you look at the schedule, it's there are motorcycle stunts, there are car stunts, and everything takes place in front of the main platforms. That's unbelievable. I am, <laughs> I'm really, really excited. This is so. Um, the 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 pictures that I saw from last year, just the juxtaposition of the old Jerusalem stones versus these yes. hot cars, is just ridiculous it's like the old and the new so much of so much of jerusalem and so much of israel is this is this beautiful placement of the old and the new the modern and the and the staying true to the land and there's just something about this visual i don't know why it's striking me more than other things but something about the visual of the formula one race car on these stones on these paved streets on these old old weathered stones that could probably tell their own stories just is really striking me and they specifically, they actually shortened the route this year, but they've kept in the Derech Hebron part of the route, which drives right past the old city walls, That's which is really the most beautiful part. That's incredible. That's really incredible. It got great press last year, right? Yeah, it did. It's, it's a, unfortunately for locals, locals like to complain about it because it does affect traffic. It does affect, you know, you're being able to move around. Um, I think even last year it's possible that they ended up closing school early. This year the route is much smaller, so it's not going to affect the school. But um, but I know for a fact I will park my car at 11 o'clock in the morning, and I near sort of nearby, and and I will not plan to move my car again until 8 o'clock at night. Oh my word! All right, well that's definitely a good heads up. By the way, I also want to thank you because in exploring the site, um, Fun in Jerusalem again, we're talking about funinjerusalem.com, Joanna Shebson. The, the chief fun expert, is that your title? Uh, that's what they call me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Although today I did give someone dating advice on where to take their date. So really? You never know. Yes. Wow, you need a new drop-down menu for that. Um, but one of the one of the menus that I really didn't appreciate or opportunities that I didn't really appreciate before really going through the site, or I, I don't know how I missed it, is the fun city guide. Because not only is there a takeout opportunity through – um, Oneg Shabbos, which is a takeout company that provide under Badatz that that uh, provides foods and meals and and that you can order through them and they deliver to your apartment and wherever else. Um, but also there are babysitters. There's a babysitting service that yes. that people can find through your website. Part of the fun of Fun in Jerusalem is either if parents want to go out at night and they want to know that they can hire a babysitter that they trust. The the people that we work with have all been. Um, it's not. My company, the Babysitter Service, is a partner of ours, and they interview every babysitter. They know that they're, they, they are English speakers, they have babysitting backgrounds, they check up on them. So, but you can also, a lot of times people want to hire someone who's more of a mother's helper that just joins right. them for the day to go on a teal, and that's also something that the babysitting service can do. That's great. It puts parents at such um, peace of mind to know that somebody else has vetted that person who's going to be staying with the family, especially families who go to Israel who don't know 17,000 people and say, all right, I'll just call my friend and they'll hook me up with somebody. Like, somebody's done the homework here. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the job. That's my job. I do homework every day. <laughs> well, at some <laughs> point got, or another. I've got a list of, 
of fun shops for you to go to. I've got a list of fashion coupons, uh, Shabbos Takeout, ShabbosKodesh.com. So we've got it all. I saw that whole uh, coupon shopping thing, and um, I appreciated at that moment that my husband's not on Facebook so that I could download it and he would have no tracking of what was going on. Um, the other thing uh, I, the other thing that I noticed also in terms of the food and, and, and opportunities on the site is that if you have, if you're going to Israel on vacation and you have a kid with a birthday party or you have a kid who is hitting some kind of a milestone, there's an opportunity to have to to reach a baker who can really design a cake for you that um, is special to your needs, which is also something that's very unique. Yeah, and we also have someone who can make gluten-free cakes. We got a call two weeks ago that there's a girl who's here for the year, and it was her birthday, and her mom wanted to buy her a cake, but she said she, ha- she was a celiac. What could she do? Mm-hmm. I said, well, the woman that I work with, she makes beautiful cakes, and they're gluten-free. Wow. So uh, she ordered from her, yeah. That's incredible. Okay, so let's go back to the Sukkot Family Guide. So we've gone through the Formula One, uh, Formula One racing, and we've gone through Bait Gouverin. Give me one other hot topic, hot opportunity. One. Yeah, Just I know one. because I know because my next interview is already calling in, Joanna. Oh, okay, no problem. There's okay. going to be a new ropes course set up in Ammunition Hill. Oh, we're doing that also. See the the see Ammunition Hill and the history behind it, and do something really fun there with your kids. Joanna, I have to tell you, it's basically my entire trip has already been planned out through your website. Fantastic! That's what we like to hear. Yeah. And if there's anything you know anyone needs, they can always send an email to info at funandjerusalem.com, and we'd love to. Have- okay, we just lost Joanna. I don't hear Joanna. Hello. Oh, there you are. Okay. Okay. I thought we- basically anyone. You can find the guide at funinjerusalem.com slash Sukkot, and you can always email me at info at funinjerusalem.com. And you will work with families individually with enough time in order to help them craft a trip, correct? Yeah, we worked with a family now that's going to be doing a whole paintball activity and another one that's going to be going to the Cockadoo Art Workshops. Um, so we, we can arrange anything. That's incredible. Joanna Shebson, funinjerusalem.com. If you haven't already checked it out and if you're going to Israel and you have kids, I don't know what you're doing. Besides buying tickets to to get on that plane, you need to check out this website, funinjerusalem.com. Joanna, as always, a pleasure. Gemara Chatimah Tova, thank you so much for joining me. And um, I look forward to speaking to you and seeing you, please God, in Jerusalem. I want to see more about this. Uh, we got to talk about the, uh, the Formula One racing. Fantastic. I'll see you there. Sounds good. Sounds good. You're listening to That's Live here at the Nachum Siegel Network. My next guest is new here to uh, to That's Life. I'm happy and very, very pleased to welcome Rabbi Yaakov Glasser from CJF to join me on the air. For some reason or another, my computer is absolutely frozen, so I'm having a bit of a problem. Rabbi Glasser, are you there? I absolutely am. It's a pleasure to be here, Miriam. How are you? Gmar Tov to you. Gmar Tov. Everything is wonderful. Excellent. So the last time we spoke, you were... Um, you know, leading people in NCSY, and you were building a shul in Passaic. I imagine that the shul in Passaic is a process, correct? The shul in Passaic is uh, a process that is moving forward wonderfully. I'm actually sitting in front of the construction site as we speak. The steel is going up, the basement is in, and uh, things are moving forward. The shul is, is Baruch Hashem, grown tremendously. We had over 200 people for Yemen Noroim. And uh, it's really, it's a remarkable, remarkable community. That's unbelievable. You know, when um, Scott Goldberg is still the president, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So he must be a wonderful partner to work with. Passaic is a, is a great community. Scott and I have been working together for the last 10 years in the shul and now together at YU. 
uh, and it is one of the most enriching aspects of um, of my opportunity to lead in this community, in this shul, and uh, much of the credit for the growth of the shul, in particular the building project, uh, is to his uh, creativity, audacity, and uh, tenacity. <laughs> wow, those are a lot of ass. you know, uh, but that's great. That's absolutely, absolutely great. He is a wonderful guy. Let's talk for a second about the Seum, because that is the reason that initially that I wanted to have you on, not knowing that we could talk about a, num- a number of different opportunities. But I do want to get to the Seum that's taking place this Sunday, please, God. It's very exciting, not only because of the Seum itself and, and uh, the culmination of Torah study, which is always exciting, but the lineup of who is going to be leading the Seum and the opportunity for communities to take part in it is really very dynamic. Absolutely. As you know, it's, uh, it's really an auspicious um, time of year that uh, the Dafyomi is completing Seder Moed. And as uh, reads, as the yeshiva component of Yeshiva University uh, certainly stands as a Torah center for so much of our community and its rabbeim and leaders, uh, in particular the dean, Rabbi Mark Penner, Rabbi Menachem Penner, uh, really stands to influence and inspire our broader community in so many ways. It was so natural that uh, one of the most uh, dynamic and and just really successful programs of Torah study that uh, the Jewish world has ever known uh, should mark this occasion in the warm embrace of the yeshiva, of our yeshiva. And so uh, we are inviting the whole community. There are many uh, shuls that are sending contingencies of their dafyomi uh, shurim, uh, some of them will also make human locally, but the notion that we could all coalesce together at the yeshiva to celebrate together with the Russia yeshiva and the Talmudim of the yeshiva in the yeshiva atmosphere uh, just adds such a richness and such a, an inspiration to the entire accomplishment. It's, it's really going to be an, an incredible experience. It's on Sunday, October 5th, right after Yom Kippur. Uh, at 9.30 a.m. at the Gluck Center on YU's Wolf Campus. What a great way to begin the new year, to finish out Yom Kippur, to break your fast, and then the next morning to start by uh, completing Seder Moed and being part of such a huge, huge um, kahila almost, is the, probably the way I, c- I could explain it, in terms of how many people are being involved and the people who are leading the CM, including... Rabbi Herschel Schachter, Rabbi Aryeh Leibowitz, and Rabbi Daniel Feldman as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, the, uh, the Torah of YU uh, extends far beyond just the local bricks-and-mortar-based medrash, although it's certainly most vibrant uh, there locally. Uh, but through YU Torah, uh, we have really reached an audience of uh, tens of thousands of Jews. And YU Torah is quickly approaching its 100,000th sheer. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I can tell you, a very substantial segment of those 100,000 shiurim uh, are attributable to the people who are presenting and who are speaking at these uh, at this theme. So Rav Shechter will be leading us in uh, teaching the last staff in Seder Moed. Um, Rabbi Aryeh Leibowitz, who hosts probably one of the most popular shurim on Wahyu Torah and has just a remarkable um, and very extensive Dafyomi following. He is, has tremendous clarity and depth and substance to him and just a quintessential man, Rabbi Arya Leibowitz. Uh, he's going to be making the Hadron and giving Divrei Chizuk. 
And then Rabbi Daniel Feldman, who is a Rosh Hashiva at YU and a Rav in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey, and anyone familiar with his erudition and, um, and ability to just coalesce so many different Torah topics and sources from so many different places into such a beautifully woven tapestry of, of inspiration and, and uh, Limadat Torah, he's going to introduce Seder Nashim. And, and the last I saw of him, he was figuring out how to connect all of the Masechus to Seder Nashim. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you, the Dafyomi Seum is not just a place for people who learn Dafyomi. Even if you don't learn Dafyomi, just to come and be a part of it and to come and hear words of, of Chizuk and words of learning uh, from these illustrious Torah personalities and to be in the environment of people who are dedicated themselves um, to Limadat Torah in such a, uh, in such a consistent and deep way. I think it's an inspiration for, for our own Torah growth and, and certainly will motivate many to pick up the Dafyomi now as we begin Seder Nashim. So the whole invite to learn Dafyomi, those that uh, would like to learn Dafyomi, and those who just want to celebrate accomplishments in Limadat Torah. It's one of the beautiful things about the Internet is the opportunity for people in remote places to really take part in a community, even if they're not physically close by. So if people are not able to join at the Gluck Center this Sunday from eleven from 9.30 to 11 in the morning to take part in the Seum of Seder Moed, they can still be a part of the webcast, which will take place on whyutorah.org slash seum. How many people do you know on, on average, or I should say, if you can estimate, how many people have already signed up? Uh, there are hundreds who've signed up, um, and there are many, many hundreds more that are going to, I'm sure, join us online. Uh, you're correct that, you know, for those whose connection to the yeshiva is a little more long distance, this gives them an opportunity uh, to engage as well. Uh, but uh, the yeshiva has room for anyone. Anyone <laughs> and everyone uh, who wants to come should show up on Sunday and, uh, and will find uh, the YU-based medrash to be such a, a warm and welcoming place and a really vibrant and inspirational place and a place of deep substance and Torah scholarship. And we really were open to the whole community 24 hours a day, anytime someone wants to come and learn in an environment of such, uh, of such intensity and, and just spirituality should show up at YU. It's just an incredible place. You know, you and I joked the other day about my doing a show once from Stern. And, of course, it would be something that I would absolutely, absolutely love because as an alum, the fond memories I have of sitting in class with Dr. Canterfogel with with um, with uh, Rabbi Morty Cohn, with Dr. Schatz, with so many esteemed rabbis and, and so many unbelievable women, so many Torah scholars. It just, you know, even now, I, I've been out of Stern for a good couple of years now, though we won't have to go into the details of just how many years that is. But nevertheless, the connection that I still have to university makes me feel like I belong on campus even now. So as an alum, I know that I can show up Sunday morning and feel like I belong. Correct. And the truth is, as an alum, you could show up any Sunday morning as well because uh, we have the Kala Lamadresh at Yom Rishon that run every single Sunday morning on the Heights campus. Um, and, and we're not joking. We're, we're very excited about you coming to Stern and, and reconnecting. <laughs> People don't fully recognize the unparalleled concentration of talent, uh, both academic and Torah, that exists at YU and Stern. And, you know, for people who are looking in life not just to sort of check the box of having 
learned some Torah or been exposed to some shiurim or some, you know, wonderful role models, but looking to saturate themselves in an environment that is just so rich and has such a spectrum of uh, deep personalities that are really at the forefront of so many fields and so many aspects of leading our community, it's just such a unique place. And the personalities you mentioned, Dayenu, even just for them, you know, it's worth it to immerse oneself, you know, in this environment. But I can tell you one of the most extraordinary parts about working at YU is just simply walking from my office to the lunchroom, and, and, and the colleagues that I encounter on the way are Rabbi J.J. Schachter mm-hmm. and Rabbi Moshe Weinberger and Rabbi Yaakov Neuberger and Rabbi Moshe Schachter. And then, right. you know, you're walking further, and there's Dead to David Pelkovitz and, and, and Dean Karen Bacon. And it, it, it's just, it's, it's not normal. It, right. It's just such an extraordinary place. And uh, the Seum is, uh, is certainly a, a beautiful opportunity to feature, you know, a portion of it and, and definitely some of the greatest treasures that we have at YU. Uh, but you're right. I'm, I'm excited for you to, to reconnect. <laughs> and most importantly, to meet the women, to meet the students, who really, as great as the professors and the teachers in Russia Yeshiva are, the, the students of YU live with such a passion right. for Torah and for education and for changing the world and making a difference. It, it's a transformative life there, and, it, and it's really something that's remarkable, and it's something that, that really drives the entire Jewish community. Rabbi Yaakov Glasser joins us. He is the David Mixner Dean of the Center for the Jewish Future and University Life at Yeshiva University. Uh, Rabbi Glasser, it's, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I would love to come back to Stern, and, and we should talk about that. But I also want to learn more about Torah Tours. I know that's a great endeavor at CJF, and there are a number of Torah Tours going on this Yontif, correct? Absolutely. Torah Tours is a program. <clears throat> it is the, the Blanche Schreiber Torah Tours, and it is a program that allows students from Yeshiva University to um, travel to communities all over North America. Um, they are going to visit many, many communities. It's hundreds of students. They go in groups. They bring a uh, they bring a sense of passion and dancing and simcha to the simcha Torah experience, and they also teach in all the communities. And they really infuse these communities with a, a vibrancy that is unique, not just to the college-age uh, Hevra, but specifically to the Yeshiva University uh, personality that exists and lives and animates all of these different students. And it's great. what's great about Torah Tours is it's wonderful for the community because we all know that by the time you hit some Torah, there's a little fatigue setting in. You know, it's Rosh Hashanah, it's Yom Kippur, it's Sokis, it's a lot, and it really gives a sense of jolt, you know, to the communities. But it's also so transformative for the students themselves because, again, it is providing young people with the opportunity to recognize that they can have an impact on a community. And when they go out and move into these communities and live there, you know, they take on leadership roles because of these experiences. I met with a boy who went on... Torah Tours and one of the YU uh, CJF coast-to-coast programs where we take students to different Jewish communities throughout the United States and they meet community leaders. This kid grew up in Woodmere, and he told me that he spent winter breaks traveling to Detroit and to Columbus. And I asked him, I said, would, would you move to Columbus, Ohio, after going on that trip? And he said to me, absolutely, because we're exposing these students to a world beyond their comfort zone, beyond what they're used to, 
And it's, it's going to have a transformative effect, not only on them, but on the future communities that they will move to and that they will help lead. Wow, that's, that's incredible. There's, um, there's really no end, by the way, as a person who, you know, still speaks obviously very fondly about their time at, at Stern. There's no end to the, the, to the, to where these experiences are going to really hit these students. How long they're going to, these, these moments are going to last with the students. How it's going to shape them as adults. I mean, right now we're looking at them and they're, they're in their young twenties and, and yeah, Columbus sounds good. Memphis sounds great. And these are all vibrant communities or that have, that have real, real potential and need fresh blood and need that next generation. So who knows? You know what happens? The guy goes to medical school and the internship options come in and one is in New York and one is in Chicago and one is in Memphis. And he looks at the stat, the cost of living, and he looks at the at the community resources, and he looks at the vibrancy of the communities and the opportunities for education. And because he's been exposed to a broader range of communities, he views that that decision very differently. And it's not just a question of exposing a kid to you know to uh, Columbus, and then he'll wake up one morning and say, "My dream is to move to Columbus." What you do is you kind of erode this New York centric um, attitude where these are the only communities that you could feel comfortable, that you could feel have the resources you want and you need, and you realize that there are other communities that have the threshold that you need in order to, you know, establish roots, and you will build. You will build the vibrancy. You will take that energy that, that you've accumulated through growing up in a community like Teaneck or like the Five Towns, and you will bring it somewhere else, and you will transplant it somewhere else, and that's always been the Jewish story. It's always been, you know, a, a, a story of communities evolving and growing because of leaders and, and pioneers uh, who decide to take risks and to, uh, and to invest themselves and their resources and their families in the future of Am Yisrael. Well, that's what we look forward to, the future of Am Yisrael, and it definitely starts at Yeshiva University. Rabbi Yaakov Glasser. The newly appointed David Mitzner Dean at the Center for the Jewish Future at Yeshiva and University Life at Yeshiva University. I wish you complete Hutzlacha. I mean, I wish that to everyone at YU because I do believe you guys are doing God's work. That is 100%, 100% the case. Building the next generation of Jewish leaders, building the next generation of lay and rabbinic leaders on all campuses. Thank I, I thank you very much for your time this morning. I hope you'll come back. I hope you'll join oh, me again on the air. Time. And, and by the anytime. way, especially when we go to Stern, You'll definitely sit, be sitting next to me when we're on the air. You better believe it. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> we're going to have a great I time. I spent Shabbos. I spent Shabbos at Stern. Really? Ago. I took my whole family to Stern for Shabbos. Uh, that's a I... transition from, from my children, from NCSY, to these uh... new experiences. They wanted to know where the band was for Havdalah. It's not easy for them. But that's it was hysterical. an extraordinary Shabbos. The women there are incredible. The staff is incredible. Aliza Abrams is the head of student life and so many other amazing personalities there. And, and, and you're, you're going to be blown away. I you can't, really are. I can't wait. One thing I actually never did, even while I was at Stern, is stay for Shabbos. That is... Uh... Oh, it's a totally different... I never stayed at YU for Shabbos when I was there as a student. Shabbos is a completely different experience on campus than it was when we were at YU. It, is, it has guest speakers. It has programming. It has creativity. Amazing. It has great food. It's, it's the whole place. It's rocking. Amazing, amazing. Well, kol to you and to your family. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Great, wonderful. Have a wonderful gemarchatimatova. Thanks so much. Take care. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and my next guest joins me on the air. It is the most creative man 
um, I have met in terms of the art world in a very, very long time. Rabbi Yitzhak Mui is the head of um, the creative soul. He has joined us on not on That's Life here before, and he's actually here to talk about something very interesting, something unusual in the New York area during Cholomoid. It's the fourth annual, annual celebration of creativity. It's the Crown Heights Community Art Show. Good morning, Rabbi. Good morning, Miriam. That's quite an intro. Thank you very much. Oh, no, listen, uh, it certainly earned it. I keep looking at all the different art that you post online, and uh, I look at it longingly. The new piece that you did of the colors coming out of the chauffeur? Yes. Uh, uh, incredible. <laughs> Tell me how, I mean, we'll even talk about the art show in a second. I really encourage people to go to your Facebook page, correct? Yes. It's the Creative it's Soul. Thecreativesoul.org uh, on Facebook. Creativesoul.org. Tell me, and as people are looking at the images, and I really hope they are looking at the images, tell me how um, that piece with the chauffeur and the colors coming out came to be. You know, that's that's quite an evolution uh, of that particular piece. And and what I've wanted to do is actually make short YouTube videos explaining my pieces, because there's always a story. The the long story is I started with an image of actually my father-in-law. I got a chauffeur. I put him up on a hill where there was just a hill and sky. And him blowing the chauffeur, I put a really, you know, a serious background, you know. And this was, you know, a few years ago was my Tishrei piece, uh, you know, the chauffeur. And, you know, and then I turned it into a piece of pop art. And I created it, this image of, of the man with the chauffeur. And I blew, I created the, the streaks of color going off the canvas. That's a, a previous piece, um, off the canvas onto a variety of small canvases. This idea of the chauffeur you know, heralding Chuva that, that it just blows off the canvas, blows out. And uh, I came back to it again and, and just <laughs> did exactly that. Just, you know, this idea, this burst of color, this burst of energy, that, that the power of the chauffeur to really uh, wake us up and, and uh, inspire us. Wow. Is that piece also still on display? Uh, that piece is uh, it, it, sitting in here in my home. Um, <laughs> it, May be on display in the gallery. I'm still debating as to what which of my own pieces I put up in this year's uh, you know fourth annual celebration of creativity. I guess but, nobody uh, I, I guess nobody's been, ever been inspired by their mother-in-law to put that into a piece. It's only been father-in-laws. I'm just kidding. I'm sure she's I'm sure she's a wonderful woman. But let's talk for a second um, seriously about the upcoming event. It starts on October 12th at 8 p.m. It is open to the entire community. The gallery is located 386 Kingston Avenue. So I know we've talked briefly about the first of these celebration of creativity. So just give yeah. everyone a background about how it started and how you've evolved into your fourth year. Well, the, the, the background is that I became a rabbi in Venice, Italy. There's a small uh, Chabad yeshiva there. I got my smicha there. And I've always wanted to take my wife back once, once I got married. Finally, I did. And we met this amazing artist called David Ariel de Guglielmi that you had on. Right. He came to do a show here. And at the time, he asked me, would I represent him in New York? I'm like, me? Represent? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a youth rabbi. I'm an artist. What do I know about representing other artists? But it planted a seed. And I was buying my little Vanessa four years ago on, you know, on Kingston Avenue in Crown Heights. And there was an empty storefront, and they were selling Lil Love and Nesergim. And we all know that, you know, the shelf life for Lil Vanessa come Cholomoid is pretty useless. You can't sell many of them. Right. And so I asked them, well, what are you going to do with this space? You know, come Cholomoid. They said, oh, well, in a few weeks, something, they're going to renovate it, store. So I said, hey, you know, can I rent it for the week? So I, I rented the, the, the gallery, the empty storefront for, for $1,000. I thought, you know what, that's the worst that will happen. I'll lose $1,000. Let's do this. And it, it all came about like... 
Erev Yom Kippur, Mutz Yom Kippur, I got the final confirmation. I just put out a call to whichever friends that I knew, other artists, and I called the show Hasidim of Color. If you define yourself as a Hasid, you have color to share, just bring it. Hmm. Just bring it, and we hung the show. We started with 15 artists. We hung Mutz Yom Tov. By the end of the show, we had 30 artists. It was just amazing. I couldn't close the doors. Officially, it was open from 12 noon to 2 a.m., um, because uh, it, uh, maybe not all your listeners are aware, but there is a Simchat uh, Beta Shueva, you know, in Crown Heights that, mm. you know, the dancing starts at, sure. I don't know, 9 p.m. and goes literally till 6 a.m. The police have to, you know, push the dancers off the road. <laughs> Thousands of people come from, from all over. Uh, and it was just the perfect opportunity to, to put up a show. And we did, and... Now, literally thousands of people came into the gallery. People were really impressed, and it just touched off this idea, like, wait a second, you know, like, we're onto something. You know, the need for creativity, the need for expression, the need for the recognition that creativity is an integral part of Judaism and a, a tool to enhance our Judaism. Right. And when people look at me and they're not sure what I'm talking about, I said, well, start with a niggun, you know, what's, what's a, a really soulful niggun? Explain that to me, and then I'll take your words and I'll explain to back to you what the rest of creativity can do. So that was the first show, and we've been doing it ever since. You know, um, I love. Well, how, I love. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm just going to say that I love how in your press release it says, due to the gallery's proximity to the dancing on the street, the gallery is accessed via 486 Crown Street around the corner. <laughs> well, the, the way it is is that that actually it's. I mean, half the half the street is is the men's section, and then the other one sidewalk is a men's section, the other sidewalk is a ladies' section. And the store is on the men's sidewalk section. Mm. So, you know, they, they kind of, they, there's barricades around. I mean, there's so many people that, you know, that, yes, thank you for bringing that to, to, to your listeners' <laughs> attention. In order to get in, the, 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 you know, so yes, the, the entrance will be via the back entrance through uh, the neighbor's house. And we thank the neighbors and their walkway for access and, to the gallery. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And During the day, until 9 p.m., everyone is welcome to come through the front entrance. But uh, once, once the dancing starts, it's going to be a little bit difficult. Right, and you also wrote that on Tuesday, October 14th, the Creative Soul will host a ladies-only dance party in the gallery, dancing yeah, right I, outside for the men, and ladies and girls in the community will have a chance to dance and celebrate in their own space right near the action. I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. I actually spoke to one of the, the organizers of the music, the sound crew, and they're working on getting me a, a feed, a direct feed from the music of the men's dancing. Because we were talking with a few different women's groups. There's Bulletproof Stockings. There's a, a, some really amazing you know, women performers to create a concert for the ladies in the space, which That's is right great. there. And they fell through. People are out of town, sukkah, so on. So they were thinking of just doing, you know, like a... A DJ, you know, DJing their own music, and then you know, this idea of, of getting the same feed. So the women are dancing, of course, in a in a closed space. It's near, you know, uh, but it, it's the same music. It's right there. You know, you could probably feel it. You know, it's so close. But you know, they're going to have their own feed, uh, hopefully, and. So they'll be dancing to the same music that the men are dancing outside in. The fourth annual celebration of creativity show is open for a month. All yes. the works that are on display there are available for sale. Just let our listeners know with a minute or two left. Who are they supporting when they purchase one of the pieces of art? So they are, number one, supporting the artists. Um, you know, the artists are Jewish artists from, from all over. We have from, from Italy, from Israel, a few artists from Israel, you know, from a lot from the States, from New York. Um, so, you know, definitely supporting living artists who can, you know, then go on and continue to to, to produce art, and they're supporting the creative soul. 
We've uh, recently incorporated, and we're, we're in the process of becoming a, a 501c3, a nonprofit. Nice. We have a permanent gallery. We do a show every month. The current show up in the gallery is called um, Spiritual Defense, Mitzvahs for the, uh, for the Spiritual Defense of the Land of Israel. Um, and each month we have a different either solo show or group show exploring themes and ideas that are relevant to, to the Jewish community and uh, to the Kranheitz community. Well, that's, that's incredible. The entire concept is incredible. I look forward very much. I will not be able to be at this event. Uh, please God, I will be in Eretz Yisrael for Sukkot. But I very much look forward to coming to the gallery and to seeing everything on display because if your artwork is just a tip of the iceberg of what's available at any one of these shows, and it is certainly not to be missed. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And everything, everything is going to be on, on our Facebook page. Again, Facebook, uh, forward slash thecreativesalt.org, and as well as our own website, thecreativesalt.org. Again, so it's, those who will not be able to see it in person will be able to see the work uh, online. Excellent. And again, it's, it is the Sunday of Cholomoid, October 12th at 8 p.m., 386 Kingston Avenue in the heart of Hasidic Brooklyn. Rabbi Mulie, Gmartov to you. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I look forward to speaking to you again soon, and good luck with the show. Thank you very much. Thank you very Enjoy much. Enjoy Israel and please send my regards. I certainly will. Take All care. Right. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And my fourth and final guest, I am so excited to have Mayor Weingarten here on the air this morning. As you know, he is the host of the Israel Show Monday mornings here on the Nachum Siegel Network at 9 a.m., immediately following J.M. in the a.m. He's also the proprietor of Ariel Tours, located in Brooklyn, and he is the man to go to with a conversation like this. Good morning, Mayor. Hey, Miriam Wallach, <laughs> it is an honor to be on your show. I am so excited to have this conversation with you, I cannot tell you. And I just want to let our listeners know. Wait till know. the end of the conversation. No, nah, no, nah, we're still going to have fun. But I want to let our listeners know that you and I had been joking back and forth that, you know, it's, we would be able to talk about it for 10 minutes and we should be able to get all the talking points in. But truth, truth be told, you and I could schmooze about this for an hour. Yes. Uh, and more, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So the Washington Post, the Jerusalem Post, the Huffington Post, Ynet, you name it, everyone has been covering this story about the recent um, El Al flight that was delayed because a number of ultra-Orthodox, Haredim, however you want to refer to them, Jews, men on the flight, would not sit, would not take their seats, would not sit next to the woman to which they were assigned, um, to the seats where they were assigned, I should say, next to the women, caused the disruption and the delay on the flight. Um, and once the plane landed, the one of the women who was affected by this, because um, as she, in her words, she was bullied by the gentleman who was sitting next to her and refused to take his seat and was intimidated by him to move her seat, uh, then blogged about it, wrote about it for Tablet Magazine, and there went the story. Went viral. Correct. Story did go viral. So let's talk about let's let's go backwards for a second. It's and I'm going to use this word in quotation mark. Everyone loves this story, and of course it is just PR. It is a PR nightmare for the Jewish people. Is it a PR nightmare also for LL? I think so, and I think that everybody loves this story, and also everybody loves for some reason to hate LL. <laughs> And seriously, I right. don't understand it. I must say, well, first of all, you know, just full disclosure, as, as you mentioned, I, uh, my, my day job is uh, Ariel Tours, and I work extensively with El Al. We do group, group travel to Israel. So I'm just putting that out there. But um, I don't understand why, especially religious Jews, 
would love to love to hate Alal and rank, you know, come down on Alal all the time when this airline first first of all is the only airline in the world that does not fly on Shabbat and it it, it does so at at a great cost, right. financial cost because right. if you think about any industry if you have a manufacturing plant and you decide that your machinery, very expensive machinery, is just going to sit around and not do anything <laughs> right. for not only one-seventh of the week, but also on Chagim, mm-hmm. so it's another, I think, 13 days or so. Here and, and every other airline is flying on Friday night and Shabbat. All the competition is flying, so El Al is losing a tremendous amount of money. And why? Because... The Haredi public specifically demanded that El Al stop flying on Shabbat. And if you remember, a few years ago, when El Al became a private company, they're no longer owned by the government of Israel. They're now a regular private company. And um, they have some ties to the government. The government has some say because of uh, security issues. But they're a private company, and by mistake, not by mistake, because of a delay or whatever, a plane landed a little after Shabbat, um, the Haredi world put a ban, a cherem, on El Al. I remember going through this uh, at the time in my business. People were canceling their bookings with El Al and going there because El Al was violating the Shabbat, and unless they give a very clear um, commitment that they will never, even in the case of like this, where it was a, an emergency or they were stuck, somewhere, they would never violate um, the sh- land, or when we, when we say violate Shabbat, meaning take off and land on Shabbat, right. if they didn't give such a commitment, the Haredi world, world would ban El Al. So, okay, and, it, and it, by the way, it was having its effect, and it was supported by rabbis and everything. So El Al, at the end, did make this commitment, even though it is a private company, they decided that they wanted to make the commitment for a lot of different reasons. So here we are, we have the option of competition of many airlines to go to Israel, and yet we love to, to come down on El Al, you know, because of this or that or the other, some perceived issues, when we're totally forgetting the fact that look at the accommodations that this airline is making for us. Do they, do Haredim in general n- not fly United or Delta, or potentially JetBlue in the future, that it's only El Al that's, that seems to be having this problem? The, the, first of all, the Haredim do fly on, Haredim do obviously fly on other airlines. Right. And I can tell you from personal experience, domestically, I was flying a few years ago from New York to Chicago, and there was a, a Haredi person on the flight, and for takeoff, he asked switching seats and this whole story, and I just, I, I thought it was horrific. Right. Now, that's just one incident. I don't know if it usually happens, but I have to assume that it does happen on other airlines. But on El Al, I think everybody feels, you know, it's like this El Al syndrome. Everybody feels that I'm at home. I can do whatever mm-hmm. I want. I'm amongst my own. My lawnsman, right. Right. So, so I can make a big balagan and I can, you know, go crazy and I can block the aisle. I, I think that, People wouldn't dare to do that on on another airline. No, I, I, I completely hear you. And obviously there were cries on Facebook for some kind of retribution or some kind of change in LL policy. There was a petition that was put out that within two days had over 1,500 signatures forcing LL to come up with some kind of a policy 
to handle the Haredim, uh, the Haredi community, I should say, appropriately, and to either designate certain rows on a plane to be single gender or to uh, force Haredim or people who choose or would re- or refuse, I should say, not to sit next to somebody of the opposite gender to buy an extra seat. All of these different kinds of suggestions were made, and now I'll dismiss them. Well, first of all, to, to add on to the price, if you wanted to have a, you know, a seat uh, next to you that is either empty or, or with only a male in, then everyone would accuse Alal of being anti-Haredi. You understand that? Of course. Way, there's, right? no way, there's no good win to this. This there's is no a disaster. There is, it, it's not, there is a no win. But I, I also want to remind all of us, all, all you know, whether observant Jews, Haredi Jews, all, you know, all of us within this general camp, that if we're going, like you are, for Sukkot to Israel in the thousands, we would not be able to do so if not for El Al. And if we have thousands of kids going for the gap year to Israel, um, in a period of about two weeks, thousands of kids that are going, we wouldn't be able to do it if not for El Al either, because as much as we think that the other airlines are wonderful and El Al is terrible, the other airlines would never have the capacity to do it. El Al air flights, El Al knows, now it's for their benefit too, but, you know, uh, I remember years ago I went to Continental before it was bought out by United, and I said, you know, if I would ask you for a plane before Sukkot, I would put down all the money. I'd buy all the seats. I want you to add a flight. Hmm. They said no. I said, well, why not? You, you can't lose. I'm paying up front right. for every seat on the flight. Right. They said, what do you think? We can just take a plane. Are these, these pla- Everything is planned ahead for years. Every plane has an exact place that it's going to be at every minute. Where am I going to just take a plane to give it to you? So even if it was financially in their, to their benefit, which it would be, to add flights to accommodate the thousands that want to go for Sukkot or for Pesach or for the gap year or at the end of June and beginning of July to go to summer camps, again, thousands of kids. No one could do this. No other airline could do this. And we don't realize to what extent El Al is so critical to our community besides the fact that they're Shomer Shabbos and besides the fact that every flight to every single place in the world serves only kosher food. Right. That, you know, I had that problem. I will just tell you that as a person who has traveled numerous times already to Israel, and please God has two trips before the end of 2014, I would prefer to fly El Al every single time. And the biggest problem I had with um, my last flight or two flights ago was when I flew Delta and they um, they served me a non-kosher meal. And I, because I don't eat meat, I checked the sandwich to see what the inside of the contents were, and it was meat. So I immediately wasn't going to eat it. And then when I got up to go to the galley to see if there was anything else available, I then noticed that the other sandwiches were the ones with the hashkacha. And I was stunned, and I couldn't even believe that I was holding a trafe sandwich in my hand that had I not been a person who doesn't eat meat, I probably, in the middle of the plane, in the middle of the flight, when I'm bleary-eyed, just eaten it. And I was I was horrified. And it was such an eye-opening experience. Such an eye-opening experience that it really it really made me appreciate the LL experience. And the truth be told is that in terms of speaking as a woman um, in a situation like this, I can't say that I would have felt bullied by a gentleman who does not want to sit next to me. 
frankly, that's not my personality, and I am not casting aspersions on the way this woman or other women have felt. But we, we do have to recognize that segregation ended a long time ago. So there has to be a way for, for some kind of a happy medium to be reached, whereas everyone's needs can be met to a certain extent or some kind of accommodation can be met, can be made so that, I know it, Rami, I'm looking at the clock, I know. I'm, uh, gonna, I'm just going to tell you, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. And I will also tell you that there was a period of time where Al designated several rows. In the back. In the back for the Haredi uh, um, public because they wouldn't have movies and the screens would be turned off and all that. Right. And that came as a demand from the Haredi community, and people didn't want it. They did, Haredi people did not want to be seated there. And at the end, it was stopped after a while because it would, there wasn't a demand. There was a demand from the leadership, but not from the average person, mm. not from the rank and file. So there's, there's uh, until they have a consensus within their own community, they should leave the rest of us alone? Yeah, I, I guess <laughs> you said that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, there, it, but it's... But right now, you know, to me, and literally we have a minute left, one of the, one, the the biggest shame in this story is coming off a summer where we're, we all existed within, within a war, where we all became unified, where we all felt a sense of Jewish pride, and we were seen by so many on the outside as, as having come together in a time of tragedy and a time of stress that all of a sudden for this piece to come out now is just such a disaster, such a shame, especially during a Sarasimetuva. Yes, and par for the course for the Jewish people over the last 2,500 years. I mean, you are 100% right. And that is an excellent way to sum up Jewish history. <laughs> Mayor Weingarten. Exactly. And with that, Mayor Weingarten, I thank you so much for joining me. I really thank do appreciate you, you spending the time with me this morning. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And with about five minutes left to the show, I'm sure Rummy's going to bring up the music in the background. Uh, this goes out to everyone flying to Israel. This Chag, it is Jerusalem is Calling by the Diaspora Yeshiva Band. So enjoy that as I go through the lineup because we have to know there is so much not to be missed for the rest of the day. A full afternoon of programming right after That's Life. The live lunch is hosted by Nachum from 11 to 1. And today at 1 p.m., if I could uh, have a drum roll, please, which I can't because I don't have that cues. It's a supersized stunt show hosted by Mark Zamek. He'll be live here in the studio. Mark and guest Harold Geller trace our high holiday liturgy back to its roots and will introduce some modern versions of our tefillot as well. Zalman Latek from the Folks Bina will join the program as well. Mark will be checking the app for our comments and questions, so please post your comments on the app. It could be read on the air. And then, as we have been promoting a special Erev Yom Kippur Book of Life with Charlie Harari is live here on the stream from 6 to 8 p.m. It's presented by our friends at OHEL. Charlie has an incredible lineup sure to inspire every listener. Do not miss it. Tomorrow morning, Nachum hosts JM in the AM live here on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, 91.1, 90.9, and 91.9 FM. Don't miss the weekly update with Malcolm at 7.40. Naomi, table for 2, 9 a.m. And Sunday morning, JM Sunday from 7 to 9 Eastern Time with Matis. He'll be joined by Rabbi Warren Goldstein. He's the chief rabbi of South Africa to discuss the Shabbos project. This was the interview that was supposed to happen last Sunday, but at the last second it had to be rescheduled. It is scheduled to take place this Sunday at 8.15. Do not miss it. Egmar Chatima Tova to all. My best wishes to all of our listeners. My thanks to Avrami. That's life. We'll return after Sukkot with some major changes, folks. 
so get ready for some excitement. I leave you with this throwback Thursday moment. Ah, it is diaspora's Jerusalem is calling, and I feel that way right now. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Jerusalem is calling. Jerusalem is calling. Might be the time